you for joining the ladies of Her Portion Podcast. Come, pull up a seat at the table, because you are welcome here. Grab your Bible and a pen, and let's dig into God's Word together. Take a moment and pray that God would open your heart to Him as you listen. So without further ado, let's get right into today's portion. Hi there. Welcome back to the Her Portion Podcast. This is Crystal, and we are going to continue our study on adornment. And of course, this is coming from 1 Timothy chapter 2. Courtney and Jackie have done a wonderful job getting us started. And so we are going to pick it up right there in 1 Timothy chapter 2. I am going to start reading in verse 9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. You, know, you all know I like to start out by defining some terms, so let's just do that first. The word adorn is to display the beauty or excellence of, and then it talks about modest apparel. That word modest there means decent and orderly or restrained with shamefacedness. That's a bashfulness, an excess of modesty, and sobriety means having a sound mind or self-control. And so then the next part of that verse, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, um, those things are talking about like drawing attention to us and not our Lord and Savior. Warren Wearsby put it this way. He said, the contrast here is between the artificial glamour of the world and the true beauty of a godly life. We must be careful not to get so caught up in the latest fashion trends that we push boundaries of what is decent and proper. And I don't just mean in the, is it too short? Is it too tight? Is it too low cut? Is it too see-through kind of modesty? In Ephesus, it was a very wealthy commercial city and there were the expensive hairdos and costly jewelry was a way for women to gain status, popularity, and attention. Paul, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, is not saying that we can't wear nice clothing and and jewelry, but I believe he is urging us to consider our motives in doing so and ensure that we are not striving to draw attention to ourselves. Instead, we should be focused on a lifestyle, including what we wear or don't wear, that portrays an inner beauty of a meek and quiet spirit. We can find that in 1 Peter chapter 3. So it's really a spirit of humility. Humility consists in lowliness of mind. It's a deep sense of one's own unworthiness in the sight of God and a submission to his divine will. 1 Peter 5.5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. 
Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. To be clothed in humility gives the idea that we're going to have to put it on. You could say we're going to adorn ourselves with humility and we're going to need to choose to walk humbly with the Lord each and every day. Notice that spirit of humility presents itself again with our role as women in the church. If we read verse 11 and 12 again, it says, Let the women learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So understand here the word silence is talking about quiet, peaceable, not unlike what we've already discussed with a meekness. Um, It is a matter of respecting authority and accepting our roles in churches and homes. Men are called upon to be spiritual leaders. The, The very next chapter outlines the qualifications of bishops or pastors and deacons, and it is quite clear that these roles were reserved for men as one of the instructions is that they be the husband of one wife. Now, let's take a look at that word subjection. It means subordination, obedience, or to rank under. Consider the military term rank. It has to do with authority, not value or ability. Each member of our armed forces is vital to the function of our military, regardless of their rank. And just as our military must have an order and recognized authority, God has an order and design for our homes and churches. Women in God's design and order are no more or no less important than men, but we have been given different roles. We must submit to God's design and the God-given authorities in our life. Now note verse 12. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. It does not mean here that women are never to teach, as we see in other places in Scripture where women were used to teach. For example, Timothy was taught at home by his mother and grandmother, and in Acts 18, there's evidence that both Aquila and Priscilla had a part in explaining the way of God more perfectly to Apollos. And just last month, we looked at the instruction from Titus 2 about how aged women were to teach the younger women. Instead, this verse is talking about a woman's role in teaching within the church, and our focus needs to be on that next phrase, nor to usurp authority over the man. According to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, usurp is to seize and hold in possession by force or without right. So again, the Lord, through Paul, is explaining that men are to be in positions of of authority within the church, and women are not to try and take control or run things. The next verses tell us why. Adam was first formed, then Eve. We see that in verse 13. Again, men and women were created in God's image, but man was created first, demonstrating his God-given authority. The woman was created to be a helpmeet to him. Look again there at verse 14. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Wearsby explains it this way, Satan deceived the woman into sinning. The man sinned with his eyes wide open. Because Adam rejected the God-given order, he listened to his wife, disobeyed God, and brought sin and death into the world. The submission of wives to their own husbands is part of the original creation. The disorder we have in society today results from a violation of that God-given order. And finally, verse 15. 
Okay, this verse is one of those verses that is a little bit confusing. And I think many different opinions about what it actually means are out there that you could look at. Verse 15 says, Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Some think that it could be referring to the fact that our Savior of the world was brought into the world through a woman. As we know in Galatians 4.4, 4, our, our promised Savior was made of a woman. And then also, which I think would fit, is talking about how a woman will find for her fulfillment and joy in fulfilling the role that God has given us. And I think that that fits with the context of the passage And also, it is very true. I actually just listened to a podcast this morning where they were talking about a study that was done comparing the happiness of conservatives and liberals. And within that, they discussed briefly that conservatives are more likely to have a relationship with the Lord or a religion, as they put it. And we know that if we if we have a relationship with the Lord, we have his joy, and that, of course, would make us more happy. But within that, they did a study comparing women specifically and found that it was very true that conservative women are happier than liberal women. And they attribute that to more conservative women are married and have children. And I would think that that is a... That joy, that happiness is coming from fulfilling the God-given role that we've been given. And where on the other side, you might have women who are fighting against that. They don't want to accept that role. They want to um, be fighting to against the patriarchy or whatever the case may be, and they're not finding the fulfillment that they think they're going to find there. And again, this is not to turn this into a political podcast. I'm just telling you that there is a very clear difference among women who have accepted the role that God has given them in humility and are living that out compared to those that are fighting against it. And they're never finding satisfaction in it because that's not what God intended. And so as I looked at this passage in general, and even going back to the first part of chapter two, where it says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That quiet and peaceable life, that life of a meek and quiet spirit, it's a spirit of humility. And I think that we can see that throughout this passage, a spirit of humility in the way that we adorn ourselves. And we should um, put on humility, be clothed with humility as Christians in general, but especially as Christian women and accepting our God-given role. That is where we will find true joy, fulfillment, and peace. Thanks for joining us on the Her Portion podcast. Make sure you come back next week to listen to Hannah's episode on adornment. And thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us today on Her Portion. We hope you leave with plenty to ponder from God's word. We encourage you to use today's topic to start your own study in the scriptures. Until next time.